The Navy says it's having trouble meeting its homeland defense responsibilities in the Caribbean and other areas of U.S. Southern Command. Deployments of manned vessels have been few and far between in recent years. That's one of several reasons officials say it's an ideal place to test out unmanned ships to help fill that gap. As Federal News Network's Jared Serbu reports, the project will be aided by advanced technologies like artificial intelligence. The new plan in what the Navy terms its fourth fleet is an expansion of the unmanned experimentation work the Navy's been doing in its fifth fleet, which covers waters in the Middle East. There, the Navy's Task Force 59 has been working on integrating unmanned systems with a mesh network made up of advanced sensors that can collect and transmit data even when enemy forces are trying to jam traditional communications networks. Carlos Del Toro, the Secretary of the Navy, says the 4th Fleet expansion will help inform the Navy's eventual transition to a hybrid fleet of manned and unmanned ships. The 4th Fleet area of operations provides us with an environment best suited to operationalize the concepts of Task Force 59 that has worked tirelessly to increase our maritime domain awareness or MDA capabilities. These unmanned platforms will meet the needs of our SOUTHCOM and 4th Fleet commanders and our partners of the Joint Interagency Task Force South as they defend the approaches to our homeland. The MDA technologies and platforms we are bringing to the region will address several significant challenges. These include narcotics and human trafficking, as well as economic and ecological harm caused by illegal, unreported, and unregulated fishing. The sustained presence of these unmanned platforms provide us with the endurance and reach necessary to complement the activities of our manned platforms, bringing them up for other missions. Del Toro says the Navy plans to move fairly quickly to implement unmanned systems in Southern Command. He says the kickoff will be in July during this year's annual UNITAS event. That's a multinational training exercise with navies from Central and South America. The Navy has struggled in recent years to meet requests for forces from Southern Command and the Joint Interagency Task Force South, a DOD-DHS task force that focuses on counter-narcotics missions. According to the Government Accountability Office, the problem was most acute in 2013, when the Budget Control Act imposed sudden spending cuts that forced JIADF to watch as known drug shipments pass through the waters it's charged with monitoring. But the problem hasn't abated much since then, according to a deployment tracker maintained by the U.S. Naval Institute. As of this month, out of a battle force of 296 ships, the Navy only had one vessel deployed to Southcom. And that number has stayed in the low single digits for at least the past year. Admiral Michael Gilday is the Chief of Naval Operations. The National Defense Strategy says that our number one priority is to defend the nation. We think we have a responsibility to defend uh, and to watch over the maritime approaches to North America. And uh, arguably right now, given the size of the fleet we have and the global responsibilities that we must attend to, we think that unmanned uh, takes it to another level in terms of that AOR and RBA able to keep uh, more of an unblinking eye on that traffic uh, coming north. Also, with respect to illegal uh, and unregulated fishing, as the Secretary mentioned earlier, uh, there's no better way to compete with the PRC in gray zone activity than to expose it. And so unmanned gives us the ability to keep more of an unblinking eye on that activity as well. And we think there's a lot of goodness here with allies and partners. They're obviously like-minded in both of these problem sets in terms of getting after it more, more effectively. But Gilday says the 4th Fleet and Southcom are also a good fit for the advanced technologies the Navy's looking to deploy as part of Project Overmatch, the service's contribution to DOD's Joint All-Domain Command and Control Project. 
Those data-intensive efforts are meant to make better use of DOD's data and connect its sensors and weapon systems together into one interoperable framework. And Jayad of South isn't lacking for data. There's a lot of intelligence feeds that already go into Jayad of South. So we think that we can leverage machine learning and artificial intelligence capabilities with that information uh, that's supplemented by the data that we pull in from unmanned platforms to give us a much better common operational picture, number one, but perhaps leveraging AI be much more predictive in terms of where that traffic's coming from and be much more effective in terms of intercepting it. For at least the immediately foreseeable future, none of those new ships will be autonomous. For now, they'll be remotely operated or minimally manned. But officials think AI technologies are likely to eventually get the Navy to the point of fully autonomous operations. Gilde says the Navy's initial experiments look promising. On our large surface uh, unmanned vessels, as an example, we have 50,000-plus nautical miles of transit in an autonomous mode. We have uh, a high degree of confidence in the AI's ability to follow rules and to avoid traffic, to stay within the channel when required. Um, We've made transits from the Gulf Coast of the United States repeatedly through the Panama Canal, and up around to uh, Port Runyemi, California. That said, it's a whole other level to give an unmanned vessel a mission and then have that vessel report back mission complete. So this is going to be an iterative process. As I mentioned earlier, we think minimally manned before we go fully autonomous. We see these vessels deploying with carrier strike groups and ARGs rather than just out there operating beyond line of sight autonomously. We need to go uh, slow to go fast, if you will. It has to be a very deliberate with a great deal of respect uh, for AI and what we still, we still have a lot to learn. Jared Serbu, Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Check out Jared's story at federalnewsnetwork.com. Earlier this week, we got an update on the White House plan to modernize how federal acquisition people get certified. For an ACT-IAC event, I interviewed the Office of Management and Budgets Associate Administrator for Acquisition Workforce Programs, Joni Newhart. We first had the Federal Acquisition Certification and Contracting, the very first one back in 2006. And so that's a while ago. And as you can just imagine, if you think about what kind of cell phone you had in 2006, you don't still have that cell phone today, right? So it has to be modernized. Things change. As you pointed out, everything has changed drastically. The training modes you know, what the acquisition folks do, what they need to know, how they're moving around. And so this new federal acquisition certification and contracting professional, we call it, it's more of a a foundational approach. So before we had three levels of very regimented training, maybe 650 hours, every single contracting person went through all that training and basically they didn't need it. Like it's, it's great to have, but how many of them buy aircraft carriers or you know, software systems, they don't all need that training. So we are following DOD's lead and they are a great partner for us to start with foundational training, have a professional certification exam, and then focus more on learning at the time of need, um, applied learning in the form of credentials. And we also have continuous learning. Um, We're going to bump it up to 100 hours every two years in May of 2024 to allow for folks to go through the foundational certification, you know, get some work under their belt and then figure out with their supervisor what they need to take, whether it's source selection, whether it's construction contracting, we'll have a whole host of credentials available that can meet their needs. It's more of a tailored approach than we had before. And 
it's new, it's modern, the teaching methods are more modern. So we're really excited about this. And we've gotten a lot of great feedback that we're on the right track. And tell us what's in the foundational part. Is it strictly all about the FAR or in DOD's case, the DFAR, the Federal Acquisition Regulation? Or is there more to it than that without getting into the specifics of what it is they'll be buying at some point, like an aircraft carrier? Yeah, it's actually um, based on the acquisition life cycle. So there's four different classes and you work your way through the life cycle. There, the format of the classes is they're about a month long, but you're not sitting in a classroom for a month. Nobody does that anymore, right? So you're doing some virtual classroom, then you go back to work, you do some more, maybe some exercises, some group work. It's very modern way of learning. And, and once you're done, you know the acquisition life cycle. I'm sure the, the FAR is, is sprinkled in there. We hope that, um, you know, there's folks understand the FAR is the guardrails, but there's also innovation. There's, there's other ways to do things. And hopefully they'll know all the resources that they can have at that point. So they'll be ready to go into work and, and get started and have a, a great team to help them you know, mature and get some more experience. Joni Newhart, OMB's Associate Administrator for Acquisition Workforce Programs, speaking at an ACT-IAC event last week.